Sunday, unfortunately, I'm going to be in L.A. Oh, where are you going? We're just we're going to visit my brother for two days, which is Santa just Monica. Making, yeah, yeah. Are you going east? Um, well, yeah, I think we're going to try to do like I've never done like we're going to go up to the observatory. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I've never never seen the like walk of fame or anything. So I, it's trash. It's I'm absolute sure trash. It um, the walk, the observatory, one of my favorite places ever. Yeah, it seems really cool. I once did acid there and it was oh. fucking amazing. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Just do that. And then, um, but I think, I think that's it. Go it. to, oh my God. Uh, let me give you places to go to. Oh yeah. Are you sure. going to be drinking? Um, sort of. Well, I mean, so we're, we're, we're not going to be there for that long. Right. But if you're, if you're going into the observatory, so oh. you're aware of how long the distance is between Santa Monica and the observatory. Yes. Yes. We're okay, going to do that on our way to Santa Monica. Okay. You should stop by Tiki Tea. Mm. It's the best bar. And so are you not even writing this down, Molly? Oh my God. Okay. Okay. Hold on one second. All right. Paper, pen, tiki tea. You should grab a drink there if you can. Their hours are weird, but I think on a Sunday, it might be in your favor. Cool. You will also be near the murder house. Oh, okay. When we did the episode on Yep. Yep. I was, I was wondering if we should stop by. We should You'll see. also be by the George Hodel house. Oh, interesting. You'll also, what else will you be around? I'm trying to think. Well, I'll think of more places, but. Yeah. I mean, because pretty much we're driving from the north. And so we're going to try to hit all the main spots before we get to Santa Monica. Yeah. yeah drive up. Mm, well, it's going to be insane. We might want to do is like go somewhere like Tiki Tea. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then get an Uber to drive you up to the observatory. Oh, okay. And then you can walk back down. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And then get an Uber or a scooter to back to Tiki Tiki to your car. And you could also, then on your way back down, the, when you exit, if you walk a little bit down Los Feliz back towards Tiki Tiki, you'll likely pass the George Hodel murder house, which okay. looks really cool from. I, th- I think the next day we were going to do the um, art stuff. The Like the Broad? Uh, no, it's the one you've mentioned before. LACMA? No, like the basic one. Those Maybe. are the. Th- those are the basic look. ones. Oh, wait, the Getty? Yeah, that one. That's awesome. Um, oh, and then, okay, when you're done with the Getty. Mm-hmm. Go to oh, what is the name of the restaurant? It's like it's really cool. Sometimes there's celebrity sightings, but mm. they also have the best um chicken sandwich ever and oh. best cocktails and best like great deviled eggs. It's called Honor Bar. Okay. That's uh one of my favorite places to go to. Yeah. And that's I pretty think- close to Getty. <laughs> Yeah, I think those speaking. are the main. I don't think we have any time for anything else because it's only two days. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I mean, and the way LA is set up, it's like so spread out. It's terrible. 
Yeah. But today's topic is a much smaller town. Welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I'm Bridget, here with my paranormal expert, Molly. Yep, that's me. And today, I am talking about Connecticut's favorite ghost town. Hmm, I imagine there's lots of ghosts in Connecticut. Oh, yeah, there's like loads. They're like the OG, them and like the whole East Coast, because that's where like people were landing. Uh, The Warrens. Once declared it demonically possessed in the 1970s. Okay. The whole town. The, the entire whole town. town. The oh, entire geez. town. That's, Which we'll, uh, we'll get back to their whole connection to this. But what I love about this topic, it started with me seeing a TikTok. They had to permanently close it to the public. This is Dudley Town, Connecticut. And I was like, I didn't even listen to the TikTok. I was just like, I'm going to just Google this. Because I think whatever this person's about to tell me is fucking stupid. Especially when it's like a blonde lady on TikTok who's like, mm-hmm. this town is haunted. It's like, okay, Snow White, relax. A lot of my information actually comes from a 1989 New York Times article. Ha, huh, interesting. It was haunted enough for them. Right? Yeah. And I was like, okay. And the article... This is like how great the New York Times was in 1989. Did not discredit it being haunted. It was just like, didn't you know there's this haunted town? Sometimes some of their old stuff is very funny. I do really enjoy looking at old articles like that. You know how okay, Molly and I kind of started late today. And I was like, I gotta fluff this up a little bit. And then it took a turn where we get so many of our favorite players into this. So exciting. There's going to be some familiar faces in this one. Okay. I'll open up with some of the uh, New York Times. And also, you haven't actually said the town name. Oh, that's because it is Dudley Town. Dudley Town. Dudley Town, Connecticut. Sometimes it's spelled with a space in the middle between Dudley Town. And then a lot of times, though, it's all one word. So it is... The bygone hamlet southwest of Cornwall Village that has been a long favorite of folklore and phantom seekers. All right. I haven't heard of either of those, but good enough. <laughs> For decades, um, on the books of New England legends, besides being called Connecticut's favorite ghost town, it's also been called the Village of the Damned. And a lot of residents, they don't like this title of their town, but I mean, they live in the town, so. Dang. But there's all kinds of interesting lore connected to this town from damaged reputations to undesirables. Like, because, okay, to me, Village of the Dam doesn't necessarily, that sounds more than just ghosts, you know? It's like curse. Oh, yeah, there is a curse. Okay. Oh, there and is a curse. We'll, we'll nice. get there. Yeah, there's definitely a curse involved. Don't, don't you it. worry. Got it. This town 
was established or settled in 1738 by a farmer named Thomas Griffiths. The town sits on a hilly plateau surrounded by the Bald and Coltfoot Mountains and expanded with other families with names like Jones, Patterson, Carter, Tanner, Dibble, and Porter. So they're all Brits. Oh, yes, definitely. 100%. And there was tons of owls when they showed up. Owls? Yeah. Oh, nice. Just hooting through stands of white pines. Oh, Hemlocks and native chestnuts. So they also nicknamed the settlement Owlsbury. I like Owlsbury better. better. Yeah, I do too. I like the imagery. I feel like that's where Mothman lives. Yeah, it sounds like it. In its early years, and I think this is true, like most English settlements, it's closely knit community inhabited mostly by farmers who are growing flax, wheat, and corn. I'm sure yep. they had currants too, but yeah, yep, it's true. So let's talk about this curse. Not until 1747 did the first Dudleys arrive. First, it was I should have looked up how to say any of these old ass names, but uh, Ebel and Brazile. Okay, Dudley. They showed up first. Uh, they were veterans from the French and Indian Wars. And then later were joined by Gideon, Martin, and Obijah. Does that mean they're French? No, no, no. We'll okay. get there. We'll get there. Okay. And no one, it's never been documented if these were like brothers or how they were actually connected. Because there were so many Dudleys and they were industrious, they basically took over the community. So that's how we get the name Dudley. Dudley. Town. Yep. According to legends, the curse of the Dudley family is something that started in England. So according to records, there was an Edmund Dudley who had his head chopped off by the orders of Henry VII for annoying members of the court circle. Wow. And later, Edmund's son, John, the Duke of, oh boy, Northumberland, I'm sure I'm saying right. that wrong, uh, plotted to overthrow Edward VI by marrying his son. Oh, like his having his son. Sorry. I was like, wait, this there was not gay marriage. No, mar marrying off his son to. Yes, to yes. Lady Jane Grey. Oh, remember that connected. old bra? Yes, yes. <laughs> and as you may remember, after the king had died, she was a queen for a while. And as you may also remember, she also became decapitated. Yes. Wait, and this is a du Dudley or d the person who was trying to usurp? It. So it was a. It was a Dudley trying to. Get his Dudley to marry Lady ah, Jane Grey. And okay. then it just resulted in everybody getting their Everyone head Everyone just died. Okay. That's fair. While this is going on, Lord Gilfroy Dudley's brother, who was a military officer, returned to England from France <laughs> infected with the plague. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. So he's the beginning of the plague. 
and the disease spread to his troops, killing most of them. Oh, no. And then spreading to thousands of English citizens. Oh, no. And then another one of uh, Guilford's brothers, the Earl of Leicester, said to become the favorite of Elizabeth I, later left England for unexplained reasons. So allegedly, his descendant, William Dudley, was the first to come to Connecticut. Mm, Got it. Yep, that makes sense. It also, yeah, it also sounds like, well, I don't know. There's a there's a couple ways you can play that those kind of games. One of them leaving the country is fair to me. Yeah, I think we should all. You should always leave your country at some yeah. point. See what's out there. Uh, it doesn't have to be in shame, especially if you're like getting, you know, executed and and there's a plague. Plagues. Yeah, just just go. So. Of this Dudley, the William Dudley who moved to Connecticut, three of his descendants allegedly moved to the Cornwall Hills in the middle of the 1700s. And so the beginning of this village, the Dudley Town Village, it was dependent on Cornwall. This kind of leads into, so we have this whole backstory that the Dudleys are just plagued. And so then moving forward, we start having a lot of tragedies which turned into legends. So one of the first is the untimely death of Gershon Hollister in 1792. There's like different accounts of how he died, but one of them was that he died by falling off an uncompleted structure during a barn raising. In another one, he was murdered in the home of William Tanner, a neighbor of Abiel Dudley, who's said to have a demented pauper. Another tragedy or famous victim of the Dudley Town curse includes that of Nathaniel Carter, who moved to Dudley Town around 1759, and they lived in the house, well, they, like him and his family, lived in the house owned by Abiel Dudley. Four years later, the family moved to Binghamton, New York, and they built a log cabin. And so... I guess the curse had followed them while Nathaniel Carter was away from home. A band of Native Americans seized their homestead, massacred his wife and children, and then burned the house to the ground. All right. Just to interrupt shortly. So far, it seems like this is just like a string of bad luck, right? Like, well, sure. But I mean, it's like six degrees to Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it just, it doesn't feel like they're all dying from the same, they're not dying from the same thing. Oh, yeah. It's not like everybody's being decapitated. Yes, right, Well, actually, though. Oh, there's more. Not decapitation, but when Nathaniel Carter did return back to his demolished homestead, he was sculpted and killed. Oh, geez. Okay. There's another famous story about how Mary Cheney Greeley, the wife of Horace Greeley, hanged herself a week before her husband lost his bid for presidency in 1872. There's another legend about how Revolutionary War hero General Herman Swift lost his mind after his third wife was struck by lightning. There's like basically all these stories about 
they're just connected that someone has lived in Dudley Town mm, and then perished. Perished in a very freak way. In 1924, Dr. William Clark, a cancer specialist from New York, bought 1,000 acres on Bald Mountain that contained part of Dudley Town. What's interesting about this is because like this guy is moving there basically when there's not a lot going on. And him and his wife lived peacefully in Dudley Town until one summer when he was called to New York on business. When he returned 36 hours later, his wife was nowhere to be found. So according to David E. Phillips, a folklorist and author of Legendary Connecticut, circa 1984, he wrote about it this way. But as he pushed open the front door, which had been slightly ajar, he heard a sound he would never forget. From an upstairs room came a maniacal, uncontrolled laughter of one who had taken leave of her senses. During his absence, his wife had gone quite mad. <laughs> Wait, I thought you said she disappeared. No, he... He went away. Oh, yeah, like he went away, came back, could find her. Yeah. But then he... he just After 36 her. hours of her being missing. Oh, she was mad and oh my. She was in the house somewhere, I guess, just like having a weird breakdown, hysterical fit. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a weird, weird story. Which also seems like, uh, what's, what do I want to say? Seems typical of women of that time. We didn't well, have a lot of rights. Sure. Yeah. Could have been just menopausal. I mean, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. I mean, it is a lot of. It's, it seems like a big concentration of weird stories, but you know, I don't know the statistics. Maybe, maybe I don't know the statistics. These kind of things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like what, what is going on with a population this size? Yeah. Um, in the New York Times article from 1989, they talked to residents that were still around like john and jean leach who lived on bald mountain for 36 years they claim that the reason the town failed was more because of poor poor farming conditions and a lack of financial opportunities but these curses have like attracted everyone from witchcraft societies to motorcyclists it was a really rough time in the 80s i guess living in a ghost town but we'll, we'll kind of talk about like how we got there. Today, the town is a privately owned nature preserved accessed by an old carriage trail called Dark Entry. And it is true that Cornwall's population had dwindled, but you also have to take in consideration the cheap real estate and closeness to New York City that would have drawn people away from these smaller communities. There was a man, Reverend Gary P. Dudley, who went to work debunking the tales of murder and suicide and madness that resulted from the Dudley curse. As a descendant of the Dudley Town Dudleys, he went through all the old records and newspapers. And in 1999, he reported much of his conclusions. He found that the Dudleys of Dudley Town actually had no connections to the nobleman oh. beheading in England. He found that 
Gershon Hollister wasn't murdered. He just fell from a rafter his death during the barn raising. So that was true, but it was not. It was just an accident. Yeah. There was one of the legends was that Abiel Dudley went crazy, but according to uh, this Dudley descendants research, he actually lived until 90. And, to, and when he was 90, he got a little senile. Oh, but that's just normal. Exactly. And the Carter tragedy, again, this happened away from Dudley Town. Right. They just lived there once. They just lived there once. But also he built his house on Native American land. No. So it kind of makes sense that he would be attacked. But furthermore, his children actually survived and his son became a state Supreme Court justice. Oh, Herman Swift. He never actually lived in Dudley Town and he lived to be 81 and also got a little senile at the age around 81. Okay. Okay. Horace Greeley's wife never set foot in Dudley Town. She died of lung disease in New York City. What? Are you kidding me? (laughs) And the real tragedy of Dudley Town is that sometime in the 1960s, it was doused with DDT. Oh, no, that is a tragedy. And then our friend, Dr. Walter Clark, you may remember with the wife who Mm -hmm. went nuts. Well, he bought his place in 1900 for weekend visits. And his wife had a chronic disease and was in pain a lot. Oh. And so it wasn't until in 1918 she committed suicide that was in New York City. (sighs) And Clark, he continued to spend weekends in Dudley Town. And when he was living there, there was no forest. There was... No dark entry because Dudley Town farmers had clear cut the land. So it was kind of Clark who kind of sort of started setting some of this spookiness. In 1924, he and his friends formed the Dark Entry Forest Association with the aim of reforesting the land. Oh. And so they wanted to run a wood mill and like, provide some sort of recreation for children. And they planted thousands of trees. That's so nice. By the 1930s, a New York ski club used the trails for skiing, summer camps, and used them for horseback riding. Visitors canoed down the Housatonic River. And then at some point, the association actually closed the forest to visitors. Like I said at the beginning, part of the spooky reputation comes from who? The motherfucking Warrens. Oh, okay. In 2022 is where we get this news report from WOKQ, which basically is quoted saying the ghost town is so apparently haunted that it's permanently closed to the public. So I think that's where we get this resurgence of this. Oh, yeah. Around 1926, we have Edward C. Starr, who published his history of Cornwall and he included two pages of fictions about Dudley town residents. And the book didn't get much attention until the 1970s when the Warrens 
decided to videotape a Halloween special from Dudley Town. Wow. In the special, they declare it demonically possessed. And Ed Warren is quoted as saying that Dudley Town was controlled by something terrifying. So you remember our friends, the Warrens, because I believe you did all the research on that. I do, but they didn't sound like this definitely seems like, wow, they're just really... I think this, this like yeah, but that sounds a lot like what like we what they did yeah yeah it's I guess I'm remembering the things like oh they they did like try to rule out like the science when it comes to hauntings but yeah but how do you rule out the science yeah, for haunting of a whole town yeah they they just were pushing their agenda <laughs> like <laughs> and for those of you who haven't heard the Warrens episode the Warren or don't know who the Warrens are. The Warrens are self-styled demonologists, and they famously investigated the Amityville horror haunting. They also uh, they had the occult museum in their home. They wrote books like Satan's Harvest, Werewolf and the Ghost Hunters, True Stories from the World's Most Famous Demonologists. They, all those new scary movies are coming out, focus around them. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine. Warren. But Molly did great research. Found out that the husband may have had a sex slave. <laughs> and the Catholic Church also condoned everything they were doing. So their investigation, sorry, probably likely encouraged yeah. the tourists. Yeah. Yes. So that's where we get all the people showing up in buses. <laughs> the supernatural people showing up. But this is all this is already beyond the point where no one's living here, right? It is So I think people do live there, but because the forest was rebuilt, so most of it is now like a forest preserve. Forest, yeah, yeah. So it's the same as like just someone living in the sticks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um and in the eighties there was what they called the hermit of Dudley Town, Walter <laughs> Killam. He moved to Dudley Town in 1938 and he built a cabin to the north entrance to Dudley Town Road. He was an architect who helped design West Point. Oh, interesting. And he discovered Dudley Town by hiking from New York to Canada. And this was just a place where he stopped to camp. Wow. And he must have really enjoyed it because he returned soon after, bought 40 acres surrounding the camping spot that he had, built by hand 14 structures on the property. Wow. And he became known as the Hermit of Dudley Town. And in 1989, he was still alive and had a quote in the New York Times article, basically his response to tourists who are asking where the hauntings are. He said, I tell them if you're going to believe in ghosts, I guess you'll find one. If you don't, then there aren't going to be any. That's fair. I like that practicality. Yep. Very practical. So when we say town, it's, an, yeah, it's not a town. Well, I mean, maybe at one point it was, yeah, I think town, at one but point it was probably incorporated, but nowadays it's just like, the area is known as the, the Lee Town. Yeah, because it's, I think it's 
pretty much deserted. Like I'm sure yeah. people live there, but it's not like they have their own post office. Yeah, that what makes right. you incorporated? It's like a post office situation. I, I would think so. That would be a important part of that. Recently, well, recently, like in 2011, police did arrest eight filmmakers who <laughs> trade off the public roads into private property. In a way, all of the spooky stuff kind of protects it. Like, it's so creepy, you're not allowed in. I mean, I think it protects it from people chopping down the trees and wanting to actually settle there. Yeah, which is good in some ways. Yeah. To put it poignantly from the book In the True Facts of Dudley Town, written by Harriet Clark, the former president of the Cornwall Historical Society, Today's owners and taxpayers of Dudley Town are professional people who live there for privacy and seclusion. They do not welcome tourists or seeking tales of chilling or wild experiences. Please do not come. There are no ghosts, spirits, and no curse. That is funny. That's really funny. It's so interesting how some towns like do they they embrace you know the mothman or whatever or they're like no get out yeah i think it probably depends on like how how uh settled the town is yeah yeah like when it started to deplete and it just became really rural it's like we're just trying to be normal people living in the sticks versus like mothman which is like well, we wish we were a bigger town, but we have an opioid problem. So let's get people to come here, even if it's by the means of a, a creature of lore. Yeah. And it also kind of sounds like, you know, maybe that was the Warrens weren't as good at their grift back then. And they just like, they didn't think about like, because I think, yeah, I think you have to have a place where the people buy in. Otherwise, you're just going to piss people off. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for listening to Sex with Ghosts. Uh, You can find Molly on Instagram or Twitter at MollyMM9. That is Molly with an IE. You can find me there at Bridget underscore Suckit. You can find this podcast there at sexwithghosts underscore. Please feel free to DM us, correct us, et cetera, et cetera. You can show support by giving us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can show further support by going to www.patreon.com slash sexwithghosts. Until next time. See ya. interrupt i don't you just say you might it. have to cut, cut it but whatever the lizzo thing oh dude that is so funny uh you know my friend you know Kristen. she yeah. messaged me about it this is definitely gonna be cut i'm about <laughs> to say some mean shit Ooh. but um she was like going on and on and send me like 
like 12 text messages in a row about it. She was like, what's your take? And I was like, well, I'm not surprised. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but we all know the industry is terrible. So, right, right. I don't, I don't really think that much stock into it. And I think she'll be able to bounce back because Taylor Swift bounced back, right? Unless she's pissed somebody off, but whatever. Um, but then she was like, talking about how what kind of apology she would write and then uh right before I went to bed I was looking at my phone as you do and there's like Lizzo's apology okay on Instagram I haven't seen our apology yet so I'm curious but I just thought it was interesting because you said you know it is good to get in good with your boss and like yeah it sounded like these ladies didn't really want to do that. They just wanted to treat it like a job, which like is fair, of course, but like there is part of life that's like that. Yeah. You have to network a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah. So- and the other thing about it though, is I saw this PR lady. She's like, I handle crisis management for a living. Beep, 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 boop, boop, boop. <laughs> and she was analyzing the apology and she was saying like what her strategy is versus like what Lizzo put out and the interesting point she made she was kind of an asshole about some of the stuff she was saying like I was like you sound like a white lady yeah yeah uh but one of the interesting points she made was it was the way it's written is kind of cryptic it's cryptic from a like this is what you want in your crisis management apologies and this is like why it's on this platform and why it's like this so one of the things in her apology was like you have publicly said that you're at fault yeah like there's some sort of thing there and she's like that's a cryptic threat basically saying we have stuff on you and I thought that was interesting because my guess is is that they were probably also terrible. I, I, my guess is they were also terrible employees. It wasn't right, just like they right, didn't want to participate yeah. in one of the weird Christianity sex shit, um, which I've always noticed about Lizzo and honestly has never approached it because I felt like it's kind. it feels like a Southern culture thing to me. Hmm, interesting. As yeah, somebody sure. who's lived in the South. Sure. Uh, like I'm... I'm liberal and I'm free, but I still like have this weird obsession with Christianity. And I'm like, that is so Southern. Like yeah. the amount of Southerners I'd meet who'd be like, I, I'm liberal. And then they say like something shockingly like conservative and you're like, sure. wait, what? <laughs> That's South to me. <laughs> so I'm glad it's getting called out. I think it's weird. The whole situation altogether. Yeah, it is. It's a weird one. But it's not like she was date raping anyone. So right. yes. everybody it's relax. Not, yeah, it, it definitely isn't as bad as like, you know. Yeah. And I think she's going to get taken yeah. down because she's a black woman. Yeah, Like, right, right. I hate to say that because it, I think it sounds very, um, what do you call that? When you're just like whittling it down like oh, a baseline. But sure. I think that is the biggest thing. It's like Taylor Swift. You well, know? yeah, like I, I, I think I pretty much I saw uh, someone was oh I think it was um, I, someone on t- on Instagram posted something about how like 
cancel culture is not real except for people who are already marginalized. Yeah. Like people who have the power won't yeah. ever get canceled because they have the power. There's always going to be someone who's going to want to work with them. Yep. And it, I think it's definitely harder for marginalized people. But hopefully, I mean, I guess it would be a good thing and a bad thing if Lizzo has enough money <laughs> that she can. Well, and I hope she has the support. Like, I hope Taylor Swift yeah. helps her out. Like, right. I hope. Because Beyonce's already ditched her ass to the curb, which is interesting because Beyonce's well, married that, to Jay-Z. Oh, yeah, that's true. But does that mean that she's more at fault, do you think? I don't know. Uh, no. no. I think Beyonce doesn't trifle. Okay. Okay. That's, that's kind so, of... Beyonce's like, you fix your fucking house. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or get it in order. Get your house in order. All right. Back to the episode. <laughs> Sorry. Interlude. Cut. Re-enter. Maybe that could be a bonus. Scene and scene. No, 